This episode is brought to you by Trunkline. Trunkline is the Angie's List with an oil-filled twist. Join Trunkline today. Impact Exploration Services made this possible for PBE Podcast. Get your mud logging, geo-steering, and lab results that will make a positive impact on your bottom line. Bell Geospace supported PBE, made it possible to do our first show from Wichita Falls. And if you need gravity data that can see the deep-seated faults around your AOI, you need to call Bell Geospace today. Icon Science, the subsurface geoscience software that needs no introduction. Petrophysics Geophysics, tied to the rock data for you to visualize the best parts of your reservoir. And last but certainly not least, TGS. TGS is one of the largest data providing companies in the world, especially in the oil and gas world. Stay tuned with the development of their Well Data Analytics web-based platform. I personally use this platform to help me find projects, listen out for those shows with Asal and Andrew Stearns. Andrew Stearns talks about the DST database they have. Absolutely lights out. Yeah. Three, two, one. Let's, Let's go! go. <laughs> I am the host of the PBE Podcast, and I expected a little bit more of the let's go out of you, Andrew Stearns. But, um, you know, we did the show at NAEP. We talked about kind of your story in the background. We drilled down into this DST database, this really interesting database that's really old, but it's actually really new because it's so old and now it's digitized. And we're trying to figure out where are the pressure anomalies in the Permian Basin, for example. If you can find pressure in the Permian Basin, you have a good chance that the fluids that are under pressure and being pushed by all that pressure are is most likely oil and gas. Like that's just your odds in the Permian. So finding pressure anomalies becomes a really simple way to explore for hydrocarbons and new plays, right? Where are we where have we gotten? from NAEP, in your opinion, and where are we going with this DST data from TGS? Oh, that's a great question. And when I talk to you at NAEP, we're still exploring the data and sort of the ins and outs and the ways that we could use the data in modern workflows. Mm -hmm. um, and since then, we've come a long way into where now we're, we're using the data in a way that DSTs have never been used before, and that's really? at scale. So I told you at NAEP that we were looking at one-offs and Right. How they've traditionally been used is using them one at a time for certain wells and looking at, you know, maybe you plot, you know, 10 or, or 20 on a map. But now with some of the advances and different applications and different analytical platforms, you can analyze up to 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 at once. And it's something that's never been done before. So over the last few months, what we've been really working on is, you know, how do we get this data into applications in a way that can be applied and leveraged at that scale. So now you're able to, let's say, look at the recoveries, the dominant recovery, and you can plot that on a map. So if you have all 20,000 in the Permian now, you can look at oil, gas, water, what were the recoveries, and see that for all 20,000 tests in the Permian. Out of the 20,000 tests in the Permian, do every one of those have a workstation-ready LAS, an LAS plus, as TGS likes to call it? That is something we're investigating. Um, right now, the DSTs function as a sort of a separate data set. Mm -hmm. And our big to-do over the next quarter is integrating this with our current offering. So uh, mixing this with our production data and integrating it with what we currently have. So 
clients right. can see what, hey, I've gotten the LAS file, I've gotten the production data for this well. Yep. Is there a way for me to just look at the DST information? And that's our vision for both the log data and as well with our new production application coming out. Man, are you guys planning to write a bunch of papers uh, in in, uh, in and out and around this DST stuff? So that's what I'm working on right now, actually. Um, kind of in the background is we're taking the data from the Delaware Basin um, mm -hmm. and we're doing an analysis on a regional scale. So using one, all the rest of the data you have, seismic, mm -hmm. logs, production data, history, all everything you guys have, you're starting to correlate it to the DST, the digitized DST data. But specifically with the DSTs, so we're taking the original reservoir pressures, so the results of the Horner analysis, and that's the the original reservoir pressure, and plotting it on an elevation chart. So we're, we're looking at different ways to kind of show off the things that you can do with the data, and that's one of the key things you can do is plot the data against the elevation for each formation, and you have your pressure profile done for every formation in the Permian. We were on a call the other day getting ready for this whole show, and someone mentioned, uh, you know, I've noticed that sometimes the numbers are from a summary. Yeah. Sometimes the numbers are from the actual reports. Can you just rock it all back and give me your, like your most simplistic explanation of the actual operation of, a, of doing the DST and then the data that you actually got from that test. Like just walk me through one from like 1977, <laughs> like, like Phillips or whoever it was, what exactly is going on? So I'm not an engineer by background, so I'll do my best. <laughs> I'm still learning it. a lot of this. But basically what they're doing is they'll drill a hole and then they'll lower the tool down before they set the casing. Um, they'll set packers above and beneath the zone and open the tool over you know roughly 300 minutes. So they'll open it for five, close it for 30, open it for 10. It's already perforated? Close it for 120. No, this is open hole? This is open hole. Okay. So it's a pretty dangerous thing to do. Um, and you know you could lose the hole in some cases if you're not careful, and that's kind of why they stopped doing it. But that's basically the start of the operation. And when they close the tool, it subjects um, the tool to the full pressure of the reservoir. So nice. that's really what you're seeing. And what that's recorded on our end is it looks like a graph over time. So you can see how the pressure um, varies with time, whether the tool's open or closed. It gives you insights onto you know what's flowing up the well bore in terms of recoveries. And then it gives you insights into pressure. So the two key things that you come away with is the pressure and the recoveries. But to your question about summaries, one of the, the common ways that people have been getting this data for years, and most of the operators we run into, is through scout cards. Okay. Um, so typically in a scout card, they'll write the summary of the DSTs, and they'll say, here's the initial shut-in, initial flow and shut-in pressure, final flow and shut-in pressure and they'll detail the recoveries. Um, but one of the key things that we're noticing that we talked about the other day is a lot of these pressures that they're citing in the scout cards are actually field readings. So it's somebody actually going in and looking at the, the reading instead of taking the digital value, which comes off later when they do the full the processing. Report. Oh, wow. So we've noticed that if you extrapolate that out, so if you end up doing a Horner analysis on those tests, nearly 100% of them are going to be wrong. No kidding. Um, and most of them will be, I think roughly 70% will be under 10 PSI error. So it's not a huge deal, but it's still there. 
but you start 30%. getting to 30, 40, 50 PSI off, Whoa. you start having issues with your flow modeling, and that's when you start having problems. Wow. Jeez, dude. So you guys are capturing all that, and, and now you even have the delta of like what was reported in the summary versus what was actually recorded. Yeah. Keeping track of all that stuff, man. Sheesh. Well, it's important because the, the reservoir engineers specifically like the number to be very precise, and this right. helps them because that's that's kind of our main, our, I guess our main selling point with this product is we're taking everything from the original reports and we're not pulling anything from scout cards. So we were able to get those reports and not just the scout data information. Mm -hmm. And that means the data is going to be a lot more accurate. Right on. And another thing that was mentioned randomly was uh, this idea that you can you can almost see structure using the DST data. You don't see it because you, you got either well logs or maybe the seismic. It's too subtle for the seismic to really see a broken reflector. Absolutely. But you got DST on one side, DST on the other. What kind of what kind of anomalies are in that data set that you've seen that have been for sure you know, related to a structural event that made the differences in these DSTs. Yeah, I've talked to a, a lot of clients about this and the ways that they're using it. And it keeps surprising me the ways that they're coming up with using this and figuring out structure by just using, you know, pressure recoveries or permeability. But um, literally, you can just plot either the recoveries, uh, the dominant recovery phase, you can plot um, the original reservoir pressure or you can plot you know, the permeability rating on some of these tests and use any of that or all of them at the same time to interpret faults or, or figure out you know, the structure, structural topography of an area. It's surprising how that works. That is, man, it's really, really cool. So one thing you could do um, in theory is if you're looking at you know, a group of tests, um, in theory, you could figure out where the gas cap is versus where the you know the oil rim is around that wow. just by looking at the dsts if you had a perfect Man. structure that was a four-way closure now i mean you guys have all the data right you guys have smart individuals that are looking at all this stuff are you yeah. guys are you guys doing things like this internally for areas of interest or i don't know like it, it just seems like the operator might not have really enough time and they don't really have the experts to take advantage of what this DST data set is, yeah. is and what it's representing and what, how you can interpret this stuff. Like, are you guys thinking about that? We are. And one of the ways that we're trying to, to help the operators, you know, figure out well, what do we do with this data mm -hmm. um, and how do we make the most use out of it? And I think the best way we found is through different analytical platforms. Um, where you can look at the data spatially and then combine that with some of the charts, um, the buildup curves or the horn analysis. Um, and that really helps them figure out, you know, very quickly in an area what they need to be doing. So as an example, um, a lot of these wells were drilled and tested in, in areas that weren't well understood at that time. Mm -hmm. So they actually perforated or tried to perforate areas and test areas that weren't good conventional targets but can be tight, you know, tight sand targets today that you can wow. you can um, exploit for, you know, using horizontal drilling. Right. So something that we're really seeing um, operators kind of latch onto is you find a test that showed really low permeability, and that's now a known tight sand target. Um, you can go back and look at those tests, and that gives you a really good idea Man. what you're about to get into. Come on. 
that I feel like is super, super valuable because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who've had the money to do the unconventional testing, right? That's been happening yep. and, and still arguably is happening. I remember a, an old timer that's been doing a lot, a lot of drilling, a lot of unconventional since the beginning of it, you know, 2012, 2013, all the way to present. And he basically was like, look, if you don't have enough money to go after seven to 10 of these before you really start figuring it out, it mm -hmm. might eat you up. You know, the game might eat you up. And you now got, you guys are now presenting a, a new data set in an area yeah. where they might be thinking about going horizontal or there's potential to go horizontal, but all they have right now is some old well logs or maybe some old old 3D seismic and they're just looking, they're like, it's just a reflector, you know? The, yeah. the Wolfcam's just Wolfcam. Like, I don't know if it's gonna respond the way it's, it, you know, we're, we're really thinking about it, but you might be able to attach this data set to that before these guys that are now ready and willing to take on this unconventional risk, you guys are helping them de-risk that with some of this DST data. Yeah, and I'll give you a specific example of, of sort of the, the long-term vision and how we plan on doing that. Mm -hmm. Is uh, you just talked to us all about Well Data Analytics, and that's sort of our analytical platform coming out in June. Right. Um, and one of the things that I see us doing for DSTs is, let's say for example, you work in the Ellenberger in the Permian, well, there's a lot of tests on the, the Ellenberger, so hmm. 400 to 500 of them. And what you can do, um, or what we're planning to do, is look at the formations and the depths, compare it against our you know, interpreted tops, so we assign a normalized you know, formation to each test and make sure the Ellenberger is assigned to that. Then what you could do is pull up um, our new production data ap application, look at the production history for the Ellenberger, and then pull up a you know a DST module next to that and compare the the attributes for that as well. Wow. So at that point, what you're working with is something that's very easy to understand both the production history in a certain area of mm -hmm. a certain formation. Because um, as you know, a lot of these formations that are reported, it's it's whatever the, the right. well site geologist decided yeah. it was. <laughs> whatever the, yeah, the regulatory representative of the company wanted to call it. Exactly. You know, yeah, you got all kinds of things going on. Ah, uh, man. Yeah, that's cool. That's So that's pretty exciting, huh? That's uh, that's fun to be a part of. What exactly mm -hmm. is your role again at TGS? What do you do every day? So I work as a product owner. and Oh, and, you're another product owner. Yeah, specifically for DSTs. Okay. Um, and I also work with building out our interpreted tops. So one of the big, big pushes we're making this year as well is, let's say you've got all of these wells that are landing at a certain depth. Right. And as you just mentioned, they're reporting a certain formation of the state. So no, most of the time that can come as, you know, three to four commingled formations. Yep. But if you have that TD and let's say you've got a set of interpreted tops and grids, well, you can assign a formation to that well across an entire basin. Wow. You can find and replace other people's tops yeah. based on your picks. So we'll, we'll take the state tops I in see. and we're going to provide what we call a TGS view of those of those tops. So that'll give that'll give people using our data a very clear way of saying what is what is the producing formation? Where's the well landing? Uh, we're not reporting three formations; we're reporting one formation, right. and it makes it very easy because you know a lot of the geologists on that side are saying, "I want just to know the production out of this one formation." Yeah, man, Andrew Stearns getting stern with the data. <laughs> I like it, man. 
I like it. Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys, man. I'm excited to keep listening to this story. I, I look forward to going to Urtech and watching you uh, unveil this integrated product, right? And show some of this stuff. But I think most importantly, and the, the, the president, the current president of the, of the North Texas Geologic Society this morning was talking about this is, you know, we need people to be coming out with papers and information mm -hmm. right now. This is a very important time. The AAPG, the uh, everything, right? The societies, like we still need a lot of that. Let's get it out there and let's talk about it. And I think you have the ability to do that with TGS, man. I mean, it's going to take extra time. It's going to take some sacrificing, but I believe it's it's worth it. And and you'll get rewarded personally. And you're, obviously your company gets rewarded with this. But yeah. I, I think getting papers out there, getting published through the APG, presenting some of the visuals of what we're talking about. Because I, I certainly have a very – when you're speaking and you're telling me how you're integrating this, I'm visualizing a map. I'm visualizing a cross-section, yeah. right? It's a whole nother game when you're showing me a workstation ready LAS profile cross section with well bores drawn in it and DST data called out and right the the anomalies in the in maybe the sonic data or the neutron densities are going crazy or the resistivity something is tracking that we're not sure why it's doing what it is and maybe the DST data is saying that's what's going on here guys the permeability is a lot better than you think and this one hasn't been perfed yet or this whole fairway is open oh, no man. one's landed in frack this yet i mean you guys can drive i think a lot of excitement in the unconventional game Absolutely. with the data you have and i think our lane for that is going to be like you said looking at areas that haven't really been touched as much as they probably should have at this right. point and you can leverage that data to do just that um, so we kind of see that as something next year hopefully when we have some more capital budgets raised yeah. again as operators start looking for new areas to explore. Heck yeah. But paper is definitely not out of the question. We're still digging through what we got and just nice. starting to uncover some of the the hidden things that are just there that you don't realize, uh -huh. oh, you can figure this out from this data. There's a lot there and there's a lot of ways that you can look at it. Um, that's right absolutely something we're interested in doing over the next year or two. Right on. Let's end it with this, man. I know you're a positive guy. <laughs> uh, you work out every day, right? You're in shape. You take care of your health. You're, uh, you're, <laughs> Lulu, nicknamed, he's nicknamed Lulu as, uh, <laughs> damn it. Uh, it's good, man. It's healthy. You know, you're, you're thinking about longevity, you know, you got to make your 80 year old proud and you got to make your eight year old proud, right? Yeah. At the end of the day. Got to make so it. So I'm going to roll through this book. Staying positive during these times, right? You got uh, you got all kinds of work in front of you, so encouraging quotes and messages. And you just tell me when to stop. I'm just going to go for stop. it. Bang. Here we go. You stop me on. Before you can achieve it, you must believe it. It's true. Before you achieve it, you must believe it, man. So you got all these visions for DST data, your visions for yourself at TGS, right? Climbing in and making this company super successful as it's definitely becoming like Inverus, IHS, all these other data providers. Yeah. But you guys have something super, super special that's uh, pretty unique, in my opinion, and that's how detailed the data and the logging gets. That's incredible detail. Now you're bolting on things like DSTs, you're bolting on data, well analytics tools that can be web-based. I feel like this very integrated and very powerful data set 
is becoming easier to use. Mm -hmm. You're on this ride, man. You're on this ride. Do you believe it? Oh, yeah, man. You have to. <laughs> but if you look at our underlying data, I mean, the thing that we've not been up to par with the other competitors has been the visualization aspect. But we believe this is going to, to allow us to compete with them over the next five years. And we have pretty big visions for that. Right um, as Asal was talking about with Weld Analytics, that seems to be our play into this space that we can compete with them directly um, with Inveris and S&P on that level. Interesting. All right, we've got two more. Past success doesn't ensure future success. Past failure doesn't mean future failure. The past is gone. It's about what's next. In any moment, you can be great. Let go of the past. Don't worry about the future. Seize the moment. What do you think about that, man? Our VP tells us that every day. Is that right? Yep. Man, this book's pulling from your, your VP right now. Interesting. All right. So you're like, I've heard this one before. Oh, yeah. All right, let's, do, let's do the next one. He comes to us every morning wanting something new. So All right. That's, that's how it goes. All right. Okay. This one kind of goes into and what we were talking about. Instead of focusing on numbers of likes, right, social media, how, how liked you are as a person or individual or as a company, instead of focusing on the number of likes... Let's invest more in letting people know they are loved. Huh. Yeah, that's a, that was a twist. I didn't know where it was going. Went straight hmm. love. I would imagine when you go to your clients, right, and you start really building relationships with these people. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, they, they work in the industry. They buy data from you, and you're providing a service to them. So there's these natural relationships you're going to build throughout your career. How old are you? 27. Yeah, dude. 27 years old. You're just right in the beginning of all this. You're meeting all these individuals and some of them will come and go. Some of them will be there with you until the day you're, you die, dude. Like you're going <laughs> to get lifelong friends out of this investment that you're making, these relationships you're making. Well, that's, that's absolutely true. And that's one of the reasons we're here in person is right. because, you know, our, our CEO says it all the time that we have to get back in person that's because right. as you're mentioning, likes over digital isn't the same as being face-to-face -face and building those relationships. That's right. Not even close. You have a thousand likes and zero sales, <laughs> right? Yep. It's like, okay, cool. Like everyone's liking our stuff, but no one's buying it. We're missing something here, right? So it says, uh, let the people know that you love them, man. That's it. Last one. Don't push someone to greatness. Don't push someone to greatness. Love them to greatness. When you love them, they'll push themselves. It's a good note to end on. Huh? It's a great message. Right on. All right, Andrew Stearns. Well, thanks for doing the podcast, man. Catching us up with DSTs again. The big rollout is in June. Are you pretty much done with that? Have you done what you need to do for that rollout? Are you still getting pressed on, hey, we need this before June? How's everything going? Are you ready for June? Oh, I'm ready. Uh, my part in this, the DSTs will be later this year. So ah. I'm just getting geared up for the second half. <laughs> All right. So my work is not even started yet for that. Dang, so that left hook's still coming some sometime after June. Yeah, the DSC visualization won't make it in the June release, but it'll make it at the end of the year. Um, but our big launch, like you said, will be at Urtech for this new application. So right on. I'll be right there, on. and yeah, I'll see you at Urtech, man. All right, dude. Thank you for doing the show again. Thanks, man.